Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. It is Tuesday, August 30th, and this is People Every Day. Hello, hello, everyone. Janine Rubenstein here. How are you feeling this Tuesday? Thriving? Surviving? (laughs) Well, no matter how you feel, we have a great crop of stories to wrap up your day, so let's get right into it. First up, Sylvester Stallone has spoken out against accusations from estranged wife Jennifer Flavin that he depleted their marital assets. In court documents seen by People yesterday, Stallone denied Flavin's allegations that he, quote, engaged in the intentional dissipation, depletion, and or waste of marital assets, which has had an adverse economic impact on the marital estate. In court documents obtained by People, Stallone's legal team wrote in his response that he, quote, has not engaged in any conduct which constitutes intentional dissipation, depletion, and or waste of marital assets. The response comes almost a week after news broke that Flavin had filed for divorce from Stallone, ending their 25-year marriage. Stallone went on to say, quote, we just went in different directions. I have the highest respect for Jennifer. I will always love her. She's the nicest human being I've ever met. We will keep you updated as this story continues to develop. In awards news, Chris Rock has revealed that he turned down an opportunity to host the Oscars in 2023. During a comedy set at the Arizona Financial Theater in Phoenix, Arizona on Sunday, the actor compared going back to the Oscars to returning to the scene of a crime, according to the Arizona Republic. While discussing the hosting offer, the comedian made a reference to the 1995 murder trial of O.J. Simpson, noting it would be like asking the late Nicole Brown Simpson to go back to the restaurant where her mother had left a pair of glasses on the night of her death. What? The star also revealed he turned down the opportunity to appear in a Super Bowl ad following the slapping incident. Sunday wasn't the first time Rock made a passing reference to the incident. During a New Jersey show in late July, Rock told that audience that the slap, quote, hurt, but he, quote, shook it off, saying, I'm not a victim. Rock's reveal about the hosting gig comes about a month after the new Academy CEO revealed the Oscars did not intend to revisit the incident at next year's ceremony, saying, we want to move forward and to have an Oscars that celebrates cinema. That's our focus right now, but it's really about moving forward. Now that we know that neither Chris Rock nor Will Smith will be at next year's ceremony, the only question is, who will host? And now, Meghan Markle dropped the second episode of her new podcast yesterday, and there is, once again, so much to talk about. You know me, I love a good podcast, and I really love a good podcast host. And these days, a podcast I've been listening to is Archetypes, hosted by none other than Meghan Markle. It's a great show, you guys. Meghan dives into stereotypes women are given and why. 
And she has some impressive celebrity guests to help her do that. Last week, we talked to you about her conversation with Serena Williams. And this week, we'll talk about her deep conversation with Mariah Carey, among other things. So joining me now to break it down is People's Senior Editor, Aaron Hill. Hey, Aaron, welcome back to the show. Hi, great to be here. So on this episode of Archetypes, Megan and Mariah dive into the negative connotations surrounding the word diva, which we, of course, know has been applied to Mariah quite often, but also to Megan over in the UK. And they also both speak about being biracial and how that affected their upbringing. So here's a little of what Mariah told Megan. I didn't fit in. I didn't fit in. You know, it would be more of the Black area of town, or then you could be where my mom chose to live, were the more the white neighborhoods. And I didn't fit in anywhere at all. Megan says she had to have Mariah on the show. She had to because she wanted to talk about this specifically with her. Megan told Mariah that she was so formative for her growing up in the 90s and that representation matters so much. And until Mariah, there was really nobody, specifically a woman, who looked like her. And so when Mariah came on the scene, Megan was like, oh my gosh, this is someone who kind of looks like me. And that was so powerful. And she went on to say that she remembers reading an article about Halle Berry who talked about her experience growing up biracial. And she said because she was darker in color, she was being treated as a black woman and not as a mixed woman. And so Megan and Mariah related to being more light-skinned and how they're not treated as a black woman. And you're not necessarily treated as a white woman either. And you have to fit in between. It's funny because my husband and I were Suits fans way back in the day. And Meghan Markle, of course, was on Suits. And I remember when she came on the screen and my husband said something and I was like, oh, you know, there's a black girl on Suits. And he said, she's not black. And my husband's biracial, right? And I said, she's totally black. I can tell she's black. And we went back and forth about it. And then her father, who was introduced later on, was cast as a black man. And I was like, I told you. And we Googled her and we did all of this stuff. Wow, you were ahead (laughs) of the curve on Meghan Meghan Markle, for sure. Meghan talks about what she suffered after dating Prince Harry and how she was treated one way before that. And then she got painted in a very different light, right? If there's any time in my life that it's been more focused on my race, it's only once I started dating my husband. Then I started to understand what it was like to be treated like a black woman because up until then I had been treated like a mixed woman. Yeah, so Mariah said that felt forced to choose between identifying as black or white and that Megan really agreed with that and Mariah went on to say that as a mixed woman, it was okay to say I'm mixed and like it should be okay to say that but people want to put you in a box, they want you to choose. Megan has spoken about how she never knew what box to check in school or applying for jobs or things like that. She wasn't even felt labeled as a Black woman until she started dating Prince Harry. I feel like Meghan really came on the scene and she said, I am mixed race. That is who I am. I identify with both sides of my lineage. And for people across the board, that's just a concept that you don't hear all that often. Absolutely. That's why it's so impactful to have these two women who identify with this issue come on and and talk to each other in this candid way. Of course, she was 
also on the cover of New York Magazine's The Cut. She talked about a whole variety of things from her kids to her life in Montecito to Prince Harry's relationship with Prince Charles. So is there any room for reconciliation there? Yeah, she does reference that rift that's there between Harry and his father and the royal family. And Meghan said, you know, referring to her own father, Thomas Markle, that Harry acknowledged, you know, you lost your dad in this process. And Meghan has had a really storied, complicated relationship with her father since the wedding. And so Meghan's wanting to to tell Harry doesn't have to be the same for him and his father is that ultimately it's his decision. But it's also worth saying that we know through our own reporting that Charles had a memorable meeting with Meghan and Harry when they were over in the UK for the Queen's Platinum Jubilee, where he got to meet Lilibet for the first time, had a fantastic visit with Archie. And we heard from sources at the time that it was a really wonderful visit between the family. So it's clear there are steps being made. Meghan also opened up about the strict rules uh, that came with royal life, especially with sharing photos of her kids to the public, and she didn't hold back about that either. She says herself, she's still kind of healing from this experience, and then she just couldn't see how it was fair for her to have to share these personal details and photos with the media, who she felt wasn't treating her fairly, as opposed to sharing it directly with her supporters and the people that actually love her child. So it was really hard for her to, to shift from this dynamic where she's used to kind of having a lot of autonomy to then fitting into this structure within the royal family. Before I let you go, is it true that Megan might be back on Instagram soon? Megan did say at the beginning of that interview with The Cut, do you want to know a secret? I'm getting back on Instagram. But then she kind of walked it back a little bit later in the interview, according to the, to the interviewer who said she's not actually sure she'll return, but she even hinted around a documentary coming out with Harry and her. So it sounds like now's the time for them to find their way onto social media in a way that they're comfortable with. Well, if she does go back on social media, you know I am pressing the follow Mm -hmm. button, Erin. It's always so great to have you on. Thanks for stopping by to break all this down with me. Of course. Thanks for having me. Coming up, when it comes to fall TV, there is one show that is hoping to rule them all. That's right. The Lord of the Rings prequel series, The Rings of Power, premieres this Friday, and we tell you what you can expect from Amazon's most expensive show yet. But first, Serena Williams came back last night for an epic win in the first round of the U.S. Open. We go over the dramatic comeback, her incredible career, and upcoming retirement next. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let Mom's Green Thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give Mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. The greatest of all time, Serena Williams. We are back, and there are few people on this earth who deserve the title GOAT, more than 23-time open title winner, Serena Williams. In her 27-year career, she's fought her way through numerous challenges on and off the court to become the most winning tennis player in the open era. And along the way, she's had a daughter, survived terrifying pregnancy complications, and overcome injuries that threatened her career. 
Last month, Williams announced that she would be, quote, evolving away from tennis following the 2022 U.S. Open, implying that her performance in this tournament may be the last time we ever see this legendary player ever compete professionally. And last night, in the first round of the tournament, Williams gave a performance that reminded everyone of why she will be so missed. With a sold-out crowd cheering behind her every stroke, Williams soundly defeated Montenegro's Danka Kovinic, 6-3, 6-3. And we'll move on to round two, where she will face Annette Contevate of Estonia, the number two seed. But of course, Serena was not competing without support. Watching in the crowd was Williams' husband, Alexis Ohanian, and their daughter, Olympia, who donned the same outfit as her mother, a shimmering black top with gold sparkles. Family support isn't the only love Williams has received lately, though. The tennis legend also received a tribute via the form of a Gatorade commercial by fellow legend Beyonce. Take a listen. A movement to always love being a proud Black woman, a parent, a dreamer, a leader. Yes, ladies, it can be done. To love being one of a kind, to always love being you. Wow, actual chills coming from that. Just powerful. But if you missed Williams' performance last night and you cannot wait for the second round, you're in luck because tomorrow, Serena and her sister Venus will team up once again to compete in the first round of the doubles tournament. I think it goes without saying that you need to see Serena play before it's all over because as Beyonce says, we will write this woman down in history. Lord of the Rings is back. So unless you have been hiding under a rock in the Misty Mountains, you know that this is Prime Video's biggest release this fall. The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power, brings to screens for the very first time the heroic legends of the fabled Second Age of Middle-Earth's history. So this epic drama is set thousands of years before the events of J.R.R. Tolkien's The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings, and will take viewers back to an era in which great powers were forged, kingdoms rose to glory and fell to ruin, unlikely heroes were tested, hope hung by the finest of threads, and the greatest villain that ever flowed from Tolkien's pen threatened to cover all of the world in darkness. So joining me now to talk about what we can expect to see in this new series is one of the stars of this new iteration, Lloyd Owen. Lloyd, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. You have been shuffling around the world with premieres and interviews. Tell us about your character, Elendil, the sea captain that is facing enormous challenges and why he is so important to the story. As we see him at the beginning of this series, he's a sea captain. He's just been recently widowed and he's trying to bring up his three adult children. So not only his own grief, but trying to deal with the grief of his children. He's moved them all to the capital city of this island of Numenor. And Numenor is a bit like the Atlantis myth, which Tolkien was quite Mm. obsessed about. And within the island of Numenor, what you have is the beginning of a potential civil war. So it's at the peak of its powers. It's a bit like ancient Greece, Rome, whatever. But there's a bit of polarization between what's called the kingsmen, who are the people who they want to live forever like the elves, and then those who are called the Mm -hmm. faithful, who are loyal to the elves and feel that as humans, it was the gift of God that we were made mortal, actually. So being mortal is a good thing. So there's this Mm. battle between between those two things. That sort of polarization in society also starts to become reflected within his children, there are different differing opinions. And it's a battle between his head, 
and it's hard. Well, I heard you say in a previous interview that one of the things you were most excited about and what you were most excited for fans to see is this island of Numenor. So so why is that? What is it about this aspect of the story that you think people really enjoy? So the island of Numenor was given to the men and, men and women of Middle-earth for their loyalty in fighting against Melchior, who was the first age baddie, and they were fighting on the side of the elves. So they gifted this island of Numenor, which is an absolute paradise. They're helped with poetry. They're given long life. So, so most Numenorians live till about 300 years old. Wow. They never get ill. They're supreme athletes, great intellectuals. They have everything they need and everything anyone could really wish for, ultimately. And that's what where Tolkien's theme begins to play, which is that even if we're given everything, he felt that that all myth and all literature is about the fall, fall from grace, where ego comes in, power and pride undo people. So that's why it's this Atlantis myth for him, because in Atlantis, that great civilization sank. What was filming Numenor like for you? Yeah, our first season was in New Zealand, and I think my second scene was riding this black horse, and Galadriel's on her white horse, and we're on the sand beaches. And then the actual set that they built, this is the year of CGI, etc., etc. There's going to be, I'm going to be in front of a green screen all yeah. the time. Almost opposite. I don't, I hardly remember a green screen from doing this job. Wow. Because they built, they built this capital city from the ground up. It took six months to build. And they built a city with history in the walls. Like if you went to Marrakesh or you went to Byzantium or you went to Greece, you'd, you'd, you'd see all of that stuff yeah. as a tourist in a city. And they did it all on a set. It was absolutely stunning. I can't wait to see it. Well, it sounds like you've been a fan of Tolkien and of his work. Is that is that the case? I mean, I read The Hobbit when I was a kid. I was 11 and I read it to my own son when he got to 11. So we, we read it out loud together. And that was the first time that when I was a kid, first time my imagination was fired. And it was really great to watch his imagination getting fired by. So there's a, there's a sort of deep connection. When you've mm. read something in childhood, you're quite connected to it. And also, people who watch this don't need to watch Lord of the Rings or don't need to read those books yet if they're younger, right? Mm. They can start here because the second age will lead you to the third age in the Lord of the Rings. So I'm, I'm hoping folk get to do that as well. That's what I was going to ask, because there's been some discussion about what people know of the world of Lord of the Rings and what this is going to bring to the table. And it's very different, right? So, or is it not? If you only know the films, mm -hmm. which are based on those books, that's a really dark point in Middle-earth history. There's, there's yes. not a lot left for everyone. And so you're just stuck in that one bit of world. This time, which is thousands of years before, what you'll actually find is so many civilizations at their absolute peak of their powers, at the top of their games. Any Schmeagles? Yeah, he's not around. He's not around, <laughs> he's not around. I'm afraid. No Schmeagle. Schmeagle, he comes later. But again, <laughs> it explains how, how that journey happens. We're, yeah. we're, we're actually creating, we're creating the rings themselves in this show. So Oh, wow. That's the joy of this. This is where it all starts. This is where it all begins. Outside of the the story itself, what was the most fun you had filming on set? There's two. You end up getting sent somewhere else around the world, and you have to build up your family. And actually, in our case, we all got very we all got very very lucky because you get a chance to talk to different people, different cousin, that cousin you might not know so well, <laughs> or you might not like. But in our case, because of the we bonded because of all of us being away, and we spent such a long time together. But on another level, I got I got three months of horse riding lessons three days a week. And I built up this fantastic relationship with my horse called Trinko. And I hadn't really 
had the experience of being confident on a horse by mm-hmm. this point. It's not just like sitting on a car, turning left and turning right. You've got you've got a living, breathing animal. On yeah. You. And I understand now what people talk about when they when they love their horses. I, I fell in love with Trinko, my horse. So that Aww. was a really beautiful. You're a horse person now. That's that's a happy bonus. I am. I can't wait to see all of it. Lloyd, thank you so much for being here. Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power premieres on Prime Video on September 1st at 9 p.m. Eastern. And this will be a two-episode premiere, correct? Correct. Two nights, two episodes. How about that? So as many of my fellow moms out there know, it's the beginning of the school year, which means accepting that our kids are one year older and therefore one year closer to, you know, moving away and leaving us behind. Sometimes I feel like I'm going to wake up one day and they'll already be grown up and starting families of their own. It's kind of a nightmare. But this clip from Recess Therapy has eased my worries at at least a little bit because this little girl doesn't sound like she's leaving her parents for quite a while. When do you think you're old enough to go not live with your parents? When I'm old and then I'll have white hair and then my husband will have white hair. Who's your husband going to be? Jameson. Jameson? Yeah, he's my friend. And you're going to marry him? Yeah. Does he know about this? Yeah. (laughs) I just love the confidence she has in the future. I mean, I don't know what I'm having for dinner. And this girl has everything planned out to the T. She even knows the exact age. How old do you want to be when you get married to Jameson? Probably 66. 66? Mm Mm-hmm. 66. Now, that's a little late, (laughs) but it's not a question to her. It's a fact. I love it. Well, I still may be fretting about my kids getting older and more independent, but this little girl having it all figured out is certainly something to make me and you smile. That is all for today, everyone. I hope you have a lovely evening. We'll be back tomorrow for another brand new episode of People Every Day.